Welcome to Frontline Nursing, a podcast about frontline nurses in the COVID-19 era. Each month, we provide the tools nurses need to navigate the challenges they face during a pandemic. We will cover the state of the science, self-care, and other critical topics. My name is Dr. Reina Latorno, and I am your host. Our guest for this episode is Dr. Kim Hatchell. Dr. Kim Hatchell has over 30 years of nursing experience, including both patient care and executive leadership. She has received her undergraduate degree in nursing from Austin P. State University in Tennessee, her master's degree in nursing and healthcare administration from University of Phoenix, and her doctorate in nursing practice from Vanderbilt University. Dr. Hatchell is currently the chief nursing officer at Blake Medical Center in Bradenton, Florida. She has previously served in leadership roles across the country, including Kentucky, Texas, and Nevada. While in Las Vegas, Nevada in 2017, Dr. Hatchell was the chief nursing officer for Sunrise Hospital and Medical Center and Sunrise Children's Hospital during the largest mass casualty event in the United States. This event was career-defining for Dr. Hatchell. Today, I welcome Dr. Hatchell to discuss her standpoint on leadership and resiliency during times of crisis and the importance of self-care. Please welcome Dr. Hatchell. Dr. Hatchell, thank you so much for joining us today. I was hoping that we can start by asking you to tell us about your experience as a nurse leader during a crisis. Absolutely, Dr. Letourneau. Thank you so much for that question. You know, preparation as a nurse leader uh, during crisis happens days, weeks, and months in advance of a crisis. Preparing staff for the unknown is one of our, I think, big obligations as a nurse leader. And how we do that is we prepare them with consistent communication. We prepare them with consistent process. We prepare them, giving them a voice, letting the staff lead through a shared governance model. Basically, what you accomplish uh, doing those things is you create a level of confidence and resiliency with the staff. So when that unknown situation presents itself, they're ready to rise to the occasion. You know, in my experience in Las Vegas during the mass casualty, what we had done was we basically served as the pilot hospital. Sunrise is a very large hospital. At that time was greater than 600 beds. And so, you know, we had several thousand nurses in the building. Now it's over 800. But we served as the pilot for anything new in the IT space. We took on a new communication device called iMobile or Mobile Heartbeat, which connected all the caregivers. We took on an evidence-based clinical documentation model, which really streamlined documentation for the nurse and put the nurse back to the bedside. But all of those things provided the staff really felt by the time the mass casualty happened in Las Vegas, the staff felt invincible and they knew how to communicate with each other. They knew how to give patient care collaboratively. And further, they knew they had a leader that they could depend on, but also they knew they had a leader that believed in their skill set because I was willing to take on those new and different projects ahead of other hospitals because I knew at the end of the day, my staff was going to deliver. And so, you know, during a crisis, a nurse leader has to be present 
be visible, be authentic, and, you know, be available to the staff, uh, be calm, be seen as someone that's a solid, stable light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. So they know they can have somebody to go to when they're uncertain about what's unfolding around them. Dr. Hatchell, what you're saying is so important. We need to help the nurses and staff increase their confidence and their competence. You also spoke about your experience with handling crisis during the mass casualty incident. Can you tell us a little about what you're seeing in your hospital right now? What type of crisis are you experiencing now? And that's such a great question. I have been blessed to be a part of a group of individuals called the Society of Advancement of Disaster Nursing. And as a group, we defined what is disaster, what is crisis. And what we know is crisis, disaster, it has many faces, right? And over time, anything that is a continual over and above situation, something that's extremely different, presented to the staff in a way, uh, you know, a change in the status quo can be perceived as a disaster or a crisis. These patients require intensive therapy. They can have as many as 10 to 15 different IV medications going at one time. They are obviously ventilated. Uh, We are providing them respiratory care support. And many of them, we have had to put in a prone position or we've had to turn the bed over and the patient is basically suspended over to relieve the pressure on their lungs. One of our sister facilities provides a service called extracorporeal membrane oxygenation or ECMO as we know it. So if the patient becomes too sick, uh, we would transfer the patient out for that. But we are beginning to see the numbers creep back up again. And we're just hoping that those numbers begin to decline again. Dr. Hatchell, you were talking about disaster preparedness and all that is entailed in preparing the nurses to be able to handle such a disaster. Many would say that the COVID crisis right now, our pandemic, is a disaster to our healthcare system and our healthcare industry. Can you tell me a little bit about how nurses are reacting to this that is happening or how are the nurses currently reacting to this disaster, if you will? Absolutely. What we're seeing now uh, with nurses across the industry is what I would call caregiver fatigue. Caring for a COVID patient requires, it's quite an event as it relates to putting on and taking off personal protective equipment. So when a nurse just going into a patient's room has to put on that PPE, they have to do that for every interaction going in and out of the room. So it's not as simple to respond to an emergency like we would if we have somebody having respiratory distress. We don't have to put that equipment on. We can run in and we can take care of the patient. And, you know, nurses want to respond so immediately to have to be able to you know, put equipment on and off has caused significant strain on the nurse. 
The other thing is, is that this group of patients are not allowed to have visitors, are not allowed to have family members. And so the nurses have, by design, become a part of the extended family of these patients and uh, get very close to these patients. And when these patients don't do well or they die, the nurses are taking this personally and they feel that being with the patient, if they are at the end of life is paramount. And because of the number of caregivers that are at the bedside now, uh, we are having crisis as it relates to caregivers because uh, this fire is burning so bright in certain places and nurses are being called to those areas. So areas that don't have as many patients have less nurses. And so nurses are having to make decisions. Do I stay with my patient who is acutely ill or do I hold the hand of my dying patient? That is a terrible decision to make for a caregiver. To watch a daughter or a son or a husband or a wife press their nose up against a window to be present when a patient is dying has taken its toll on the nurse because we want nurses, we are caregivers uh, by our very nature, and we understand death occurs. We just want to be able to transition that patient with all their loved ones around them. And that in itself has taken a huge demand on the psychological state of our nurses Many of our nurses are describing to me, I now meet with each one of my nurses one-on-one. I'm working through my staff. I've met with a hundred of them. They are telling me that they feel like they have like a post-traumatic stress disorder kind of feeling, not exactly, but similar. They are just worried about the way people are dying alone and that's taken its toll on them. You describe such detail about the toll that providing care to patients is taking on nurses. And many would say, this is what nurses signed up for. This is what they got into. But really, thank you for painting the picture about how demanding it is now compared to what we would have expected, say, pre-pandemic or pre-COVID nursing care. And it absolutely is turning into that caregiver crisis and the psychological state of the nurses needs to be addressed. Uh, Dr. Hatchell, we know as nurses that we and our profession tend to put the needs of our patients and our organization ahead of our own needs. Can you talk a little bit about why this would be a problem for nurses to ignore their own needs? Yes, I'm happy to do that. I can say what is so interesting about this pandemic, which makes it very different from any other crisis or disaster that we have faced as a nursing profession is, is that many of our caregivers have outlets uh, that they would work through some of these emotions. Many of them avid gym goers or go out and dance or or sing in a choir or do things that are group activity related or even, you know, go to visit their parents on a weekend or go to visit a sibling on a weekend or get in a plane and fly to meet their friends in a destination. I think what makes this very different is people's normal outlets or mechanism 
for processing emotion is extremely different. And we're having to look for very different outlets, right? We're having to look for things that we can do remotely. You know, maybe we're used to working out in the gym. Now we need to bring a piece of equipment into our home. Or uh, maybe we ran on the treadmill and the gym. Now we need to run outside where there's not a crowd. And I think that, you know, making a one-to-one is easier said than done. You know, if you're somebody who's a REIT, if you're involved in solitary activity and that's the way you work through your emotions, and that's awesome. But if you you are somebody who worked through your emotions in a crowd, that's just not available to you anymore. And what happens over time when we don't take part in our normal outlet is that begins to to build up and we begin to see physical manifestations of that. We see emotional manifestations of that. And we find ourselves not as attentive as we really want to be because there is so much, so much going through you know, going through our head that we're, we're trying to process ourselves, And without having those normal mechanisms or those normal outlets, you're seeing nurses leave the bedside many years sooner than they would have. They're basically weighing, they're basically doing the risk benefit analysis and trying to decide whether or not you know, the benefits of staying in the profession outweigh the risks. That's the current state. That's where we find ourselves. Dr. Hatchell, if I was a nurse that worked at your organization and I was feeling all of the things that you've described right now that the caregivers and the nurses and the staff are feeling with caring during the COVID pandemic, and I came to you as my nurse leader and I said to you, Dr. Hatchell, I just don't know that I could do this anymore. I've been a nurse for almost 20 years. The toll that this is taking on myself and my family seems to be too much. I don't know that I can do it anymore. What would you say to me? What type of advice would you give? And so I've had more than one of these conversations. Um, I've actually had more than 10 of these conversations. And people that I consider nurses at the top of their game. Most recently, I had a nurse, a single father, uh, caring for his daughter who got COVID at home. And he just became afraid of being not available to his sick daughter. And, you know, in speaking to him, we, we sat down and spoke with him. His nurse leader, uh, myself and my assistant chief nursing officer, we sat down and talked to him. And really what was driving him was just a fear. And he didn't have an outlet for anyone to speak to. And so we became his kind of surrogate family and his sounding board. And we referred him to our EAP, uh, which is our employee assistance program. But we also have a nurse cares hotline where a nurse can call and just say what is ever on their mind. And it is a non-judgmental thing. And you can say, even if you are afraid, it will sound, you know, not okay to other people. You can say it on this line and you can remain anonymous. For this gentleman, we were able to turn it around and keep him as an employee just by becoming an extension of his mental health, so to speak, and just providing some place that he knew 
that he could come and talk. Uh, We provided him the resources that he felt like he needed to make sure his daughter was okay. I am so glad to hear that your organization has that Nurses Cares hotline. That sounds like a tremendous resource available to your organization and to your nurses. I imagine that not many organizations do have things like that. Would you agree with the statement to say that nurses need to support each other at the same time as all of this is going on? Or can you speak to how nurses who may be in organizations that don't have access to as many resources as your organization has, how can they start to seek resources? Absolutely. I would completely agree with the statement that nurses need to support nurses. For us, just for nursing to know that there are there are Facebook pages. There are there are places that you can go. The Society for the Advancement of Disaster Nursing. There's a website, and it, it describes all the resources that are available to nursing. Just what I would say is, is that if you are a caregiver struggling with processing the events of what's going on, if you feel like your only alternative is to get out of nursing because you feel like you don't have someone, I highly encourage you to phone a friend. I mean, I I don't think there is a nurse in this profession right now that cannot relate to these are very different times than what we've seen before. The demands on nursing is very different from what we've seen before. We don't have the ancillary staff in the hospital anymore because those non-professional positions, people aren't going, uh, people aren't becoming PCTs, patient care techs, or certified nursing assistants. And so a lot of the support staff we used to have are not there. And so I would highly encourage anyone to do some research. There are groups out there uh, that would be happy to talk and happy to support you in your time of need or have a conversation. Dr. Hatchell, you have educated us so much today through this conversation. I so appreciate your time and your willingness to share your experiences and your recommendations with us. Thank you for that. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for the invitation and good luck to everyone. I could say in closing, please know that you must take care of yourself. There's no way to care for our patients unless you care for yourself. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Frontline Nursing. This podcast is made possible thanks to generous funding by Florida philanthropists, Mr. David Kotak and Ms. Christine Slesinger. If you liked this episode, please check out our educational series, Frontline Nursing During COVID-19, A New Paradigm, presented by the University of South Florida College of Nursing. The Frontline Nursing Program is designed to give frontline nurses the tools they need to advocate for their safety and well-being during the COVID-19 pandemic. Nurses may receive four CEUs at no cost, thanks to funding from our generous donors. For more information, email us at frontlinenursing at usf.edu. This is the podcast that frontline nurses need.